Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to another episode of No Holes Barred. Today I'm joined on the line by Ashwin. How are you doing, my friend? Uh, I'm good. How are you? Why am I talking to you, Ashwin? Uh, well, mainly because I am, as you said, a uh, uh, an ethnic minority living in uh, a pretty what uh, in U.S. terms a red state uh, of Oklahoma. What does that and, mean? What's a red uh, state of Oklahoma mean? Uh, in in the U.S., since they dis- they like to be different from the rest of the world, the color red is uh, traditionally associated with conservative uh, parties and conservative thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Oklahoma is a very very conservative state. We have, uh, I think, at least for the past twenty, maybe even thirty years, uh, have had consistent uh, Republican uh, leadership at at all levels of the state. Uh, and so uh, that makes for some pretty regressive policies. Uh, so in the UK, obviously, not everybody may know, but but a re- a red, if you're red, you're mm-hmm. left wing, you're Labour voting, you're a Corbynite. Right. Uh, right. In, 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 and if you're right leaning, you're blue, you're conservative. Um, yes. And uh, I, I guess that stems from... I don't know where it stems from, but it, like if, if, if in Europe, red is always left wing, communist, socialist ideology, mm-hmm. uh, and blue is all well. Actually, blue, as, as far as I understand it, is only ever um, it is conservative. I don't know if it's anything if it's attached to any kind of you know uh, uh, kind of racist ideology either. I mean, actually, if you if you think of it through through history, that the the left, the red have been more closely associated with atrocities than, than the blue. But, I mean, it, it, where we find ourselves right now in in in, in, um, in this moment in history, it is what it is, I guess. It's red is left in England and, and blue is right. And the, the alternative is the same in, uh, is, is the opposite, rather, in, in, in the US. When, when, did you, when did you arrive in the US, Ash? Uh, I came here in 2008 to do my uh, graduate studies. And then, so I've been here for now 12 years. It'll be, yeah, it'll be 12 years in August. Why did you go to America to study? Uh, I think it was, I had finished my, uh, my bachelor's in engineering and I, I knew I wanted to go ahead and do uh, higher studies so that I could you know, get into research. And 
uh, I'm originally from India, and the way it is in India is that uh, by default, everyone applies for if if you want to do graduate work, you you go out of the country. Uh, and I had applied to a few universities in the U.S. and a couple in Europe, and uh, and then when I was weighing the options, just about everyone advised me to get the degree in U.S. and then if I wanted to work, it would in Europe it would. Uh, uh, all the advice basically was that it, it would be a better degree to have so that because it's more recognized and uh, people, you know, just because everyone goes by names and, and stamps on things, it kind of lends a uh, yeah, more so, authority, I it's guess. It's a reality, isn't it? It's, the fact is that the school you go to and the degree you have lends to a more profitable future or more optimistic right. future. So, exactly. So, um, how do you feel being a uh, immigrant in 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 the US currently? Actually, do you know what? How, how do you feel? How, so you've been there. What did you say? Eight years? Uh, twelve. Twelve years. Sorry, my friend. Yes, since um, two thousand eight. Right. Yes. That, yeah. So so you you've been there that long. How mm-hmm. how uh, and, that, and originally that would have been during was it Obama the first yes term? yeah I first think yeah, it was his first term right yeah. so much more hopeful. Um, and um, accepting America at that point. Is that true? Is that fair to say? I think so, yes. It was, uh, and definitely when I first came here, uh, I mean, everyone does speak about and talk about racism, uh, and since I hadn't really experienced anything like that growing up, uh, it, it took quite a while to register what the racism actually was. Like I had to unlearn a lot of my own uh, biases and preconceived notions to actually figure out when people were being racist, because especially in the South, you know, generally people are very polite. Uh, and uh, so, so you have to kind of, uh, you know, pick up on the cues to figure out when someone is not being polite, even though the words coming out of their mouth are pretty polite. <laughs> Explain that in a way that someone who isn't. Um, it's, explain it in a way that someone who's white could understand. Like I, I understand what you're saying, but <coughs> you, you said no one's calling you uh, a derogative term directly to your face, as most white people seem to think that that's what racism right. is, right? So what, what was it then? And and not to say that that hasn't happened since. Uh, it's definitely been a lot more uh, visible since the the previous election. Uh, But initially, when I first got here, like a a, a pretty innocuous statement, uh, like, oh, you're, you know, like people expressing surprise that you speak English so well. Uh, It, it, you know, doesn't come across, it doesn't seem anything, you know, bad as compared to a derogatory term. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's definitely something that you wouldn't say to uh, a, a white person from Sweden yes. who you haven't heard speak yet. Yes, yes, uh, yeah. So, uh, so, like it, it, so, so you won't make. So you're saying that that um, that that for someone expressing that opinion, they in their in their eyes they'd be paying you a compliment, right? But the reality is that they wouldn't say the same thing as you say for someone who's studying from Norway or Sweden or who who for all other intenses appears to be exactly like them right correct okay so 
you, so you were aware that there was an underlying issue. Was it problematic though? You, I mean, every every country that you step foot into has issues and has problems. There isn't a country on earth that doesn't have mm-hmm. issues. If you in your own country, there there are massive issues yes. about race and caste, right? right? So it's it's yeah. evident everywhere. Um, and I had to unlearn quite a bit of it when I first got here because I, you know, I grew up with privilege. Uh, it wasn't necessarily monetary privilege, but my father worked for the government, still does, I think. Uh, and uh, so that that brings along with it another kind of privilege. And so when I first came here, uh, it took me a while to unlearn all of that, unlearn my own biases, and then and then see everything through this new lens and then understand where I myself might still hold some prejudices without even realizing it. Uh, and then, you know, see what, see the prejudices of other people. What, what kind of prejudices would you, might you have if you were back home? Like what, how, uh, how, how, if someone like, you know, when you talk about racism and prejudice, you think about the UK, you think about um, the US, white cultures, who are discriminatory to uh, ethnic minorities, right? You, that's mm-hmm. that's the, the the most easy, the, the easiest way to understand racism is if you think about that that dynamic. What right. back, back in India, what 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 might um, racism or xenophobia look like? Right. Uh, well, I think one of the things that South Asia in general, even Southeast Asia for that matter, suffers from is uh, uh, there's a lot of colorism. So in India, there's a, a massive industry aimed towards making people uh, appear fairer. So, you know, skin bleaching treatments and things like that. Well, to be more European. And, uh, yes, to be lighter, lighter, you know, to, to lighten your skin tone. Yes. Because being, being fair is always considered like fair. And uh, there's actually a black brand called Fair and Lovely. So, wow. and that, uh, that's... Uh, that entire business is just manufacturing uh, skin lightening creams and treatments, uh, and does so there's, stuff, there's does a this lot stuff of work. Is it? Is it? Does it make? I mean, us... I know. Well, I don't know personally. At, at least I don't think I know anyone who uses it. But I mean, they have a massive uh, turnover, so I'm sure people some are. people think it works, and and I I think it does work. But it's it's a pretty like it's not going to you know turn you completely white overnight but it it might cause some sort of it's basically a bleach so it, it will cause some sort of superficial lightening i think uh but beyond that you really can't uh, turn off the genes that make your melanin so yeah uh but colorism is pretty pretty uh, rampant uh and then the next thing of course that everyone hears about is is the caste system yeah uh, and uh once again in in the metropolitan cities, you will not see it as much anymore. Uh, and uh, you know, as uh, like growing up, I personally never really knew all the nuances to it. Like you know, technically speaking, if you the reason why a lot of uh, Indians will have uh, the last name as Kumar, uh, or will tell you that their last name is Kumar, is so that they can hide their actual family name because you can tell the caste from family names. Uh, because when you go back in history, all the, the the caste system was basically a division of labor, and so a lot of castes are uh, are professions. So you can come from the cobbler caste, you can come from the smith cl- caste. Mm-hmm. So you can be a blacksmith, yep. 
that's a that'll be a different uh, cast. You can be a a carpenter, and you know that's a different surname and a cast. Uh, and so you can be an accountant, and that's a different surname and and a cast or or a subcast. But so you can tell somebody's cast from knowing their last name. Uh, I never really paid attention to that, so I can't do it. But that's why a lot of people will have very generic last names like Kumar or uh, or Singh. So is so uh, is Kumar or Singh like Smith or Brown in in England? Uh, it might be more like Brown because when I say because I I think I you know and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the last name Smith does come from Smithy work. Yeah, maybe, but but in, in but yes, I think in in today's yeah, uh, exactly. in today's there, usage, there are more yes, Smiths yes, than Smith. than any than, right. than any other. So if you're going to choose, if you want to disguise, like the surnames mean nothing really in England. Like we don't pride ourselves on our surnames at all, other than you know the very colloquial aspects. Of, I am this name. Right. This is who I belong to. But in terms of the etymology of 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 where the, the, the you know the, the word comes from, isn't isn't something that's important in in the uk or, or probably in the us either but i understand like kumar and singh and there is another one in in thailand i can't i can't remember what it is it doesn't matter so we, we uh so, so these names are adopted so that other people don't cast aspersions purely on what your surname is that's that's fair right good yes um so so, so, so as someone who has lived through that level of um, scrutiny, depending on what your, mm-hmm. your surname is, and understanding that society is built on a certain level of pre- prejudice in, in India, to then right. travel across to the US, which is a long way geographically, uh, is it, it's some statement to move literally halfway around the world, uh, right. to, to then be presented with a different kind of also kind of very similar but a different kind of racism where it's about the the fact that you look different or 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 people Mm -hmm. that you know look different whether you're black asian or whatever you are it it, was that difficult to take or is it something you understood because of where you come from is that a fair question is that that even an offensive question no because it wasn't difficult to take as such because as i said uh so there are many, many things now I have learned that go into it. Uh, first of all, it, as I said, when I grew up with, with privilege, I do happen to be what would be considered upper caste. Uh, and so I didn't have to, I didn't have to experience the negative yeah. side effects of your last name. Uh, and once again, I grew up in the metros, so I uh, the only time something something negative negative to do with caste would show up in my life would be when I read a news report of uh, you know somewhere in the interior uh, in some village uh, a family was killed because they were lower caste and you know did something that some upper caste person found offensive. So it'd be that uh, it would it would be that extreme. Someone would be families would might be killed or or wiped out or slaughtered or whatever. Uh, yes, it can be. Now, I, I mean, I don't want to paint the entire country with that brush, uh, with that broad brush, but it is. It, it can be an issue in in the remotest part of the country. And right now, uh, the uh, with all the um, uh, COVID nineteen stuff that's going on, it's yeah. it's becoming even more apparent. 
Uh, and again, in India, we have a conservative government. Uh, it's a Hindu nationalist government. And for the past year or so, if not more, they have been steadily stoking the communal tensions. And we are kind of seeing the same sort of violence against uh, uh, Muslims in the country. You know, rumors start that uh, uh, somebody, once again, you know, this happened in mainly in the heartland it hasn't yet spread to the big metros or or it might manifest itself in a different way in the metros and since i haven't been back long enough yeah uh, fair enough i might not see it so once again you know these are the stories that i read and and my friends when they tell me stuff uh but yeah there, there have been lynchings of uh, of muslim men uh and women uh when you know someone said that they were slaughtering a cow or you know something that would stoke the religious sentiments of the Hindu majority that was around them. Okay, uh, and so, so, so there's so much. So I know what what you're saying is is um, familiar to you, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but there, there's a couple of things we need to pick up on there, and we will move on to your experiences. Oh in, no, you're fine. In, in in the US, but I, I find this fascinating. Like, you know, you know, finding out about other cultures. Um, metros, you are cities, right? And heartlands are uh, yes. rural areas. Correct. Yes. Okay. So, so yeah. So, if you live in 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 the US, if you live on a ranch or in a city, that's comparative. Right. Correct. Again, the same same in the UK. So, I live in a rural area, and London would be a metro. Exactly. Um, correct. So, uh, you mentioned that Hindu and Muslim are the the, the two main uh, religions. Is that fair? Right. Yes. The Hindu, it's basically about an 80 percent Hindu majority. I think we have maybe about 10, 12 percent Muslims. And are Muslims uh, and seen, then, seen as uh, in the same way to seen, seem to be seen as in, in any other culture outside of where Islam is uh, a main a mainstay or, or, or the, key, the key religion or the, the main religion. Are Muslims subjectified or, or objectified or subjugated in, in, in the same way that they are? here in, in the uh, UK uh, or in, in, in the US? Uh, in my opinion, yes, okay. that uh, uh, they so uh, and then we do have uh, Christians, uh, Zoroastrians. Uh, we actually have two big Jewish enclaves uh, and then a lot of other subsects of uh, Hinduism. And, and we also have quite a few Sikhs up in Punjab. Uh, so but but yes, just like you know how Muslims are vilified in in other uh, Western countries, it's the same same story in in India. But it's even more fraught and complicated because uh, because of our history, where in the uh, like before uh, uh, a thousand uh, the year thousand CE, uh, we were uh, a bunch of uh, Hindu kingdoms. Then we had Muslim invaders from Central Asia who came and kind of uh, made the uh, had a Muslim empire for about uh, five six hundred years. Then we had the British who came in, uh, and then you know you had your policy of divide and rule, which kind of so it made it. Uh, what's the word? Uh, it was in in Britain's best interest to keep all these religious factions fighting against each other, and then. Then the biggest of the uh, the coup de grace of uh, uh, the divide and rule was partition in 1947 when India and Pakistan gained independence. And so since then, this entire you know cycle of history has been repeating itself. Mm -hmm. 
So it's almost like in terms of the empire, it was about keeping these factions looking sideways rather than upwards. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So you mentioned about the, you mentioned something very specific about a cow being slaughtered. Now, mm-hmm. Hindus view cows as sacred animals. Yes. Is that what this is about? And Muslims, like the rest of the world, like everybody else in the world, don't view cows anything other than a uh, commodity. Correct. So Hindu in, within Hinduism, uh, the cow is uh, revered as a uh, as a giver of life because you know you get milk from them, you can use them to till your fields and uh, and you know all uh, that kind of work. And so because of that, uh, even though you'll have a lot of Hindus who are uh, who eat non-vegetarian food the consumption of beef is pretty low yeah for the most part it's quite yeah i, I mean i I've, i'm a vegetarian so i, I often when, when we go to have an in, in, indian meal and I, I fully appreciate the indian food you get in the uk and probably in america is completely different to what's native and what's uh, right. genuine right actually yeah. just on a side note here I, I, i'm gonna miss my point here because i'm <laughs> i used to work with a guy uh, called Tanvir Singh, actually. <laughs> the, uh, oh, okay. He, um, we, we, I, would, I was talking to him about Indian food, and and I was talking about all of the great Indian food we have here in the UK, which was, you know, uh, Dansak, um, uh, Tikka Masala, uh, Madras, mm-hmm. and he was looking at me like I was mad. He was like, this like <laughs> firstly, I haven't heard of what you're saying, and secondly, this is not Indian food. This is a uh, bastardization that that you guys have in the UK. Um, but the, what I do as a, as a vegetarian, when I'm talking about this stuff, not, you know, evangelizing about vegetarianism, mm-hmm. but just talk, talking about it. I do know that there is a sizable major, majority of the uh, Indian population that, that are vegetarian. Is that, is that right? Uh, I would say there's, there's quite a bit. I won't say majority because, uh, uh, like if you live on the coast, uh, like or, or let, let's say if you can, um, if ethnically you are you're from a coastal population, uh, or uh, a lot of the northern states, it will be you, you will have some uh, fish or other non-vegetarian stuff in your diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but yes, the concept or the, the view from outside is that uh, uh, quite a few of in of the Indians are. Are vegetarian. Is it beef uh, and, and is it beef and chicken that goes in though? Uh, so most people, I mean, chicken is like just about everyone who is uh, who eats non-vegetarian kind of starts with chicken and then you know <laughs> uh, goes on. Uh, there is even within the Hindu population, there is uh, there there are a lot of communities that eat beef, uh, but uh, but within the extreme hard right wing of of Hinduism. Uh, the no beef is is uh, is like you know co- commandment number one, so, and so, so it's very easy to use that as as the as the flashpoint. Yeah, so so the and that's what's happened with Muslims being um, targeted because they're, eat, they're 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 culling cows or, or um, right, sl- correct. and cows. so much so that in in some of the there was a a case maybe a few months ago uh, before the whole COVID stuff started. That much I remember, but uh, a Muslim man was lynched. Uh, because they claimed that he was butchering a cow, and like the the Indian version of uh, Scotland Yard or FBI had to be called in to basically test the meat, 
to confirm that it indeed was buffalo and not cow. And, oh, wow. and only then did they go ahead and actually arrest the perpetrators. Do you mean the perpetrators in the, the Hindu people? That, that yes, the, the people who, yeah, who did the, the killing. So he killed a buff. So he, they murdered him. Yes. And when you say far right, it's strange that the far right, actually, is it strange? Because the far rightist in this instance are vegetarian and want to protect the sacred cow. Right. Which is something you'd usually associate oh. in, in the UK with a left wing person. Like left wing uh, people are vegetarians or vegans. Right. Crazy. And, and you know, Hitler was a vegetarian. Yes. <laughs> Very confusing. I'm a vegetarian. I'm not right. sure where I am right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, I think there might be some causation over there with with all the uh, the greens you eat. Yes, yeah, maybe probably uh, yeah the stuff that they spray all over them as well. Um, Ashwin, uh, so oh, we've we've come to the point of this this podcast much later than I anticipated, but all of that was so interesting. Um, so you're you're in you're in America. You've been there, for, uh, say twelve years, um, right? What, right now we're at the time of recording which is if you're listening much later is the 2nd of june 2020 um there's a lot going on in the states uh, mm-hmm. there was um obviously a, a man that was killed by a police officer a black man that was killed by a police officer which resulted in uh mass protest and right it must be you know the fact that you're black is is not it, the fact that you're not black is irrelevant um that, that you're you're sympathetic and understanding in a way that me as a white man probably couldn't be what 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 is your feeling about what's going on there uh <clears throat> so uh as i said i mean this might be a long and rambly answer and if i get Go off ahead. point uh, you know pull me back cuz no uh, sometimes my thoughts go all over the place and it takes me a while to get to the point that i'm trying to make uh, but so, so just going back to all the colorism and stuff that I was talking about, once I came here and, uh, I started unlearning some of the preconceived notions and biases that I didn't even know I had, uh, I, I wouldn't say that I was, uh, well, I would like to say that I don't think I was ever racist in any way. Uh, but Maybe I was under that umbrella of I don't see color. And it took me a while to realize that that's wrong. And that especially in the U.S., uh, you kind of have to see color because the history of this country is so much based on it that if you don't see color, you don't see the problems. And what I mean by that is that every single decision that has been taken by any government, whether it was uh, what would be considered in the times as the progressive government or the more conservative government, every single decision that they have taken has still negatively affected uh, minorities, especially uh, African-American people who have lived in the U.S. all this time. Uh, it has always affected them negatively because it was almost as if they were invisible, even when they were the ones asking for the changes. So, uh, and so all of that has led to what the US is today. And one of the issues is with the way policing has, uh, has evolved in the US. And when you really look at the history of policing in the US, police or any sort of law and order uh, system 
was always used against black people and always used to protect property and and invariably the property of of the the white majority and so because of that and because that has never really been confronted head on by anybody you have all these systemic racism problems and uh, <clears throat> and so there is where the slight divide comes between people of color and african american or black and that's why right now a lot of activists online will actually say that if you are a person of color call yourself that and refer to yourself as that but if you're talking about a black person call them black because there's a difference between that and i understand that and the the biggest difference is people like me which is that if if you are brown and not muslim then you fall and it's very easy for it's very you can also be susceptible to that myth but you fall under the myth of the the model minority and i see that so you know as i said i i speak the way i do uh and when people talk to me and they hear me speak they immediately make these assumptions and that assumption is based on uh on how i look how i present myself and and then they will subconsciously or consciously put me in the category of oh, okay he he's the immigrant we want and and so because of that brown people especially uh ha- can remove themselves from the situation that all minorities in this country are and so it takes something like this incident for uh, for people to start thinking and realizing that we are all in the same boat so uh so <clears throat> so i've had to change the way i approach things quite a bit uh i have learned also along in in these past 12 years uh, uh like my analysis of things has also evolved and so what the current situation that we are in is because of the way policing has always been in the US and the, and once you realize that you see these confront, confrontations as as inevit, inevitable and so uh, uh and so the the incident that happened happened because somebody like i think the i think the, uh, the the latest news report said that uh somebody called the police on on George Floyd thinking that he was passing counterfeit 20 dollar bills uh it was not even confirmed but but because of this systemic uh racial bias that exists in uh, throughout this country when the police responded they immediately responded with the force that they respond when it comes to protecting white property and white money and and it it you know everything just kind of follows from there so until and unless everyone in this country and that includes uh the white citizens as well and i i and i'm going to lump uh south asians into this uh because i think i can speak for them uh once they acknowledge that systemic racism is the problem and when people you and when be and and they confront their own privilege and see it for what it is it's it's like privilege is not a 
uh, like people treat the word privilege as this uh, uh, incendiary word or uh, epithet that can be thrown at people. But privilege just means a certain set of circumstances that that uh, that can be ascribed to you that don't impede your day-to-day life. So, you know, one of my privileges is that uh, I'm educated uh, and, you know, I have a good job. And so I, I never have to worry. Like those two things, I the, the, uh, the benefits that I get from them are something that don't that don't even occur to me to think about does that make sense yeah of course yeah of course yeah so i think once these two sets of people uh start recognizing their privileges Mm. then they can that's when they can start seeing what is missing in other people's lives and hopefully be empathetic enough to say okay you know we need to do something because our political systems uh are built to maintain these privileges. So unless we break them down and rebuild them, nothing, nothing will change. Do you see that that's what's happening, like through social media and 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 the, and the fact that you know that <clears throat> it's it's really difficult as a white person to talk about this and ask questions without saying the wrong thing or feel like you're saying the wrong thing and not. And as a white person... About that, I'll say, you know, depending on the situation you're in, if you're with people who you're comfortable with, then... Ask the questions. You know, ask the questions, but don't be afraid of being corrected. Yeah. And then learn from the correction. So the nuances of being... uh, uh, Or or, even if you you believe (laughs) that you're you're not racist, and, and, and I genuinely do believe that I'm not, right? Um, right. but I found myself in situations where I am asking questions to someone who is black or of color mm-hmm. uh, that I wouldn't ask a white person. Um, right. And, and that in itself is an, there, there's an element of prejudice, even if I come from it with a, a position of, of friendliness and, and genuine um, curiosity probably isn't the right word, but it's the only one I can think of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's understanding that that racism isn't just calling a black person the n word, or right. or an Indian person the p word, which is something that's very common which, in, in the UK. Um, yes, I, actually less common than it was when I was a kid, but but still mm-hmm. exists. So you're. But I I will actually say one thing: the chances of an Indian person being more offended that you're actually calling him Pakistani than 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 using it as a racial epithet would be higher. Really. Than. Yeah, I mean, of course, I because India and Pakistan have been a, a years uh, right. a, a war for, yeah. for many years. Yeah, uh, just just exactly. quickly, just 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 before we carry on with this this conversation, which is uh, is oh, I don't know, it's probably among the most important conversations we've had since starting this, this podcast. Um, is is like India and Pakistan don't get on at all, do they? Uh, politically, no. But I mean, I so when I came here. We have we had an Indian student association at the university, uh, and there's also a Pakistani student association, but they tend to be much smaller in number, just you know, uh, because of being a smaller country. So among us, there was never really any issue, except maybe when there was a cricket match. Yeah, of course, of uh, course, of course. 
but uh, but even it's, then, it's the only, the only, the the cricket is the only time I feel fiercely patriotic. It's not. It's not right. even like football, right? I like, will watch England yes. play. I, I don't. I, I like it because it's football. But when England are playing in the World Cup in cricket, I'm like. This is it. This is our country. We're, I'm as patriotic as they can be. And it, for some reason, cricket does something. And, and more so, as you say, in South, South Asia, the, 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 the rivalry between India, right. who, who are, a, you know, cer- certainly in terms of, um, you know, they're a superpower and Pakistan are a lesser nation in terms of cricket. Right. That, and, that's yeah, a fair and thing so- to say. Right. So, yeah, I would say politically, you know, they're at loggerheads. uh, And of course, there will be a subsection of society always who will carry on that hatred. Uh, But in general, there is really no difference between somebody who's from Pakistan and someone who's from India. At at one point, you know, it it was just one entire Indian subcontinent. And uh, and all the people who have ruled this continent looked at all all its inhabitants as the same. Uh, is is India India seen as the kind of Western, the most Westernized culture in in that area of the world? Uh, are, are India seen in the same way the UK is seen in Europe as a kind of a, a, a nation that believes itself to be better than the others? I think that's fair about you know in terms of the UK or how we see right. ourselves. Is that fair? Uh, is that is that an impossible question to answer? Well, I think, I mean, I, I think the answer to that will be colored by my own impressions of uh, of the place. Uh, but I mean, yes, I, I would say that there are, you will come across quite a few Indians who consider themselves superior to everyone else. I, uh, I don't know if you ever uh, watched uh, Goodness Gracious Me. Of course, of course. Uh, so you will come across many of the characters, uh, the character that Sanjeev Bhaskar plays, you know, the the, the Indian dad who always yes, says, yes. "Oh, this is Indian and that's Indian," <laughs> you'll you'll come across quite a few people like that, Indian who who want to yeah connect everything to to India. Yeah, fair enough. Um, just just before we we close out because we're gonna have to. Um, oh, okay. But there's so much more I want to talk about, but I'll, I want to do it in maybe a number of podcasts if you're okay, Ashwin, because. I feel right. like I've flitted about here and I wasn't expecting to talk about Indian culture and and uh, and the caste system and, and and I have I could do a I I'd be fascinated to do a podcast on that on its own the relationship between Pakistan and India I'm fascinated by it. all these things that I've uh, through through the years have picked up snippets on by watching documentaries or watching films mm. and, and and have a, like a glimpse into the understanding of of, the, of your culture um, and then we haven't really even touched upon, in in any significant detail, the the stuff that's happened in 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 America. But right. but 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 I, I want to talk to you more if if you're okay to do it, Ashwin. But but oh, yeah, um, sure. but I want to kind of end on a on a selfish note, and and it is selfish because um, obviously what's going on right now, I I don't truly understand. I understand that black people are angry and I understand that the, the mm-hmm. system isn't treating them correctly. And, and this is, and, and many of them are on, uh, are, and even saying them makes me feel uncomfortable, but you, like you say, we're among friends, so I can ask a question. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, it, this is an opportunity for change, right? This is an opportunity. There's a, right. a fire that's been lit lit, lit under, the asses of of so many people where this is the time this is the time where we can challenge and this is the time that we can we can make a difference and make 
the 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 everyday life of a black person more palpable more acceptable more joyous this is the time that right. it can happen because there is a zeitgeist moving towards that but yes. what i've also found is that as a white man it's difficult for me to position myself because when if i use the fighting cock account to say i stand with uh a black people or black or uh, black lives matter um mm -hmm. someone might come to me and say well how many of your podcasters are black and right. and i in 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 this instance i might say we, well, we've had multiple black people on but sister, mm -hmm. like in terms of the the structure of what what we are and, and because we're from the uk that that isn't the case um so so i guess my question is 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 I don't know where I what I can and can't say I feel like if I'm gonna promote the all uh, sorry Black Lives Matter um, that 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 I'm gonna be pulled apart because of it and what what's the correct I guess my question is what's the correct way what's the the way that's most beneficial to the cause for someone like myself to to behave do I stay silent or do I say something? What, 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 what do you think I should do? Uh, I have always been of the opinion that, uh, I mean, you know, there's a, uh, I think it was, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was uh, Martin Luther King Jr. who said that uh, if you stay silent, you might as well be the oppressor. So staying silent is it never does anything it doesn't do it actually ends up doing a lot more harm because you know you're not you aren't speaking up for the people who need you to speak up for them so the first thing that i think any person who has and i won't i won't i i, I won't say if you're white i'll say whoever has privilege needs to recognize the privilege and then use it to uplift the people who don't have that privilege and so but recognizing your own privilege takes some time because it's a very charged word and people shut down as soon as they hear it without really thinking about it. So, you know, uh, for this particular thing, you can, I mean, I would actually encourage you if you believe in that to, uh, to say black lives matter or to, uh, amplify, uh, other voices who are saying the same. So if, if you feel uncomfortable using your voice, I'm sure you'll find other voices around you who, uh, who you can amplify because they don't have the, uh, uh, the reach that you do. I don't think, and like, then the sec, sorry, 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 we, we come to the second thing. It's important that you get to the second thing, but I don't feel uncomfortable saying it. I feel uncomfortable saying it now. I don't, I don't feel uncomfortable saying the words that I believe. Right. I feel uncomfortable having waited this long to say it. Okay, and that's so, what I was getting to the second part, which sorry, is sorry, my friend. Sorry, uh, it. I. I don't. I'm. I've always been of the opinion also that uh, it's never too. It's never too late to join any cause, and if someone calls you on it, you know, I, honesty is always appreciated. So if you, you know, if if someone says, "Oh, where were you for the past ten years when you know all of this was happening?" you can say I was learning and now I have learned and now I know what I need to do and now I'm doing it. Does that 
Yeah, it does. Makes it does. Sense. And, 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 and so, you know, kind of tying it to like the U.S. situation and U.S. politics, you will have, uh, you know, there, uh, I, I'm sure you've seen on the group there were when when the primaries were going on, there was a lot of talk about, you know, uh, who should be the uh, who should win the nomination? Should it be Elizabeth Warren? Should it be Bernie Sanders? Uh, and and uh, you know Elizabeth Warren had had a massive. Uh, uh, she committed a huge mistake by claiming Native American heritage when she didn't have any. You know it, it showed up on on one of these DNA tests, which uh, w- which always kind of shows you some percentage, and you can't really base your native claim on on the percentage that the DNA test shows. And so I was always of the opinion that she should just go out and apologize and say, I did not know better, now I do. And I'm going to do all of this stuff to make amends as such. And she never really did that. She did, a, she did it for a lot of other things, except for this one big thing mm. that started at the beginning of her uh, uh, you know, run for, for, trying, for getting the, the party nomination. So, uh, so I, I, you know, I, I've always, I always will respect you for acknowledging, uh, and when I say you, I mean, you know, in general, whoever it is, no, I'll always respect someone for, for acknowledging their missteps or the fact that they just did not know about something. But now that I have learned about it and it has, uh, you know, uh, yeah, now that I've learned about it, I'm making a stand or I'm, uh, joining the cause. Yeah, do you know? Do you know what it is, Ashwin? Like, I've been thinking as you as you were talking. I've been thinking like, is that the fact is that you saw a white man uh, put his knee into the back of a neck of a black man mm-hmm. on the ground who expressed clearly over and over again that he couldn't breathe and right. that that force was not relented and good. Um. That the, no matter how much you, could, you you try to escape it, or how how much you um, you want to to side with the minority or someone who's in pain or, or is suffering because of some level of oppression, you can't escape as a white man the fact that that image existed and continues to exist, but it was a reality in in the moment five or six days ago where. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a black cop. It wasn't Hispanic or anyone else. It was a white man pinning a black man down through the back of his neck, and he died. Right. And, it, and it's um. It, and just, I think that was as a white the, person, like, you just want you just want it to go away. You just want it to not not have happened. And and right. And but I, unfortunately, and, and it's exhausting knowing that 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 happened, and you can't have a conversation with someone. Like even T on the podcast, Neil will be listening to this, right? T mm-hmm. is a black man. He's 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 my friend, and I can't talk to him about it because I don't know what to say. What what do I say? What do, how can I fully appreciate how this is affected if I can't? So what do I say? Hmm. What do I say? You know? Right. Uh, Sorry, mate. Sorry, I just got. Bit of I, no, that's fine. And and sometimes it. It, I, I would actually say that in this situation, you might just want to, and you know, I, I know advice is a double-edged sword, but you might, you, you might not really need to say anything as much as let people know that you are there to hear them, 
or to listen to them yeah so that they can so they so that they can process what they are feeling yeah and maybe that would then lead to the conversation that you know they might they might need they ha- they might feel that they need to have with you like and 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 that's the problem this this image of a white man kneeling on the neck of a black man is the unfortunately the microcosm of the entire you know european civilization yeah. so and that's why that's why the anger is so much that you know 400 years plus of chattel slavery is something that nobody can understand you know the idea that a person could be sold as property and then be treated as property for 400 years and then 100 years or more uh, was it yeah about 100 years after that be treated as uh, not even a whole person like the US constitution lists how much how how a, a black person is compared to a white person as a fraction uh, and then having to fight for that win the fight after once again a a, a very brutal uh uh battle for civil rights then think oh you've won it and then see that you actually haven't and th- i think that's why this anger has spilled out so much and it's it's impossible even for me to recognize it and you know i work in an environment where i hear some pretty awful stuff being said very flippantly um so uh, so even for me having experienced a different kind of racism is i still cannot imagine what all that history feels like and sometimes that's what really i i can't understand like there were there are people who i speak to who will you know give out other examples of uh, of of similar treatment so you know in the us uh, one of the things that gets uh, said quite a lot is uh, when the uh, you know during the the uh, the potato famine uh, in ireland yeah. a lot of irish people came to the us to escape it and when they came here they were treated as second class uh, you know there were signs outside which said uh, uh, which basically said no black people or irish allowed uh, and no dogs i think was the is the very infamous sign uh, yeah in, in the uk you you Here back back in what eighties and early nineties, you'd you'd still have, you still have pubs, where right where you'd say no no uh, no blacks no travellers no dogs you'd see it in so the window, the, right and so the so the way I see it is, if if you you know give these examples, then you should be the first person to understand the current situation. Like you should if if, if you are saying that you know this is my history and I. was also one of the oppressed classes once you should be the first person in solidarity with the current oppressed classes around the world yeah and if and if that if that solidarity grows then then this uh the you know the current situation will hopefully be dismantled but but in the US the it you know as i said i even i cannot imagine what 500 years of violence and subjugation feels like and then seeing that even after so much has been after so much of your people's blood has been spilled to build this country to build a lot of the world you still are 
treated as expendable. And, and you know, I, I can see, you know, that, that's why when with all these riots and stuff that are going on, I, feel, I do not feel as if the, the riots are unjustified. They may, you know, people might say, oh, you're not going to get your point across. But, you know, even through all the peaceful marches, those didn't get the point across. So, you know, finally, what, what else is left for you to do when nothing you do seems to fix anything? Yeah. No, you're right. Um, I don't know why I'm so emotional about this. But and and it's and I I think I think you're emotional about this because you are you are an empathetic person. You actually are feeling the pain that everyone is feeling here. And as I said, you know, any oppressed person around the world feels this pain, which is why you're seeing uh protests in solidarity across across the globe you know it's not just people in america who are uh marching and protesting you have had uh similar protests in the uk uh you've had similar protests uh, around europe so it is because people are feeling this pain and they want to try and stop it yeah yeah you're right and so so yeah i i, I mean uh, once again you know based on all the uh, different podcasts that you have done and, you know, the kind of conversations you have, uh, whether it is football related or uh, not football related, you know, I, I can, I know that you are a very empathetic person and this is the logical reaction to do what is going on right now. Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. All right, Ash, I've got to go. <laughs> I can't, no uh, problem. I can't keep recording. So, um, so uh, we can, we can do it again. Uh, sure. Without, without... Sorry if I've been rambly and and no, my no, points not, not at all, man. Not at all. I think they are. Not at all. You know, I've I've avoided talking talking about it. Um, <laughs> T suggested doing a podcast about it, and uh, like I don't know where my position is on it. So, um, but talking to you and you know, kind of you know, someone who is outside of it, but also completely within it, because you're you're not you know it feels like currently it's it's very much a kind of black person versus a white elite thing but mm-hmm. it's much more nuanced than that and and listen to right. you speak about your 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 situation and and where you come from has been enlightening and uh, really humbling as well for me uh, and and I'm I'm not looking forward to finding out more about it and I'm not looking forward to to, to talking about it more often but I feel like I have to so you know, if you're willing to to do that with me, then we can chat again, Ashwin. Sure. Yes, I, I'm always uh, willing to talk, um, and you know, it. As I said, you can you can call me anytime. It okay. doesn't even have to be a podcast if you just want to. If you have a question, <laughs> I'm not uh, you're more than welcome no, to God ask bless it. You. Cheers, mate. I'm not having a breakdown. I just feel like, uh, you know, this is. Um, it's such a massive topic and mm-hmm. emotionally affecting. And, you know, people I know and, and I, I consider to be dear friends are, are suffering right now and, and, and angry, you know. And, right. And yes. um, as, a, as their friend, I haven't really said much to them. And I, and I feel like I should. Anyway, Ashwin, uh, thank you very much, mate. And uh, we're going to talk again. And, uh, yeah, until then, goodbye. Sure. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. And uh, have a good night, I guess. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.